the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, May the 5th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today on May 5, 1961, astronaut Alan Shepard, he became America's first space traveler. He made a 15-minute suborbital flight. It was a big deal then. We've advanced since then. Today in 1494, during his second voyage to the Western Hemisphere, Christopher Columbus landed in Jamaica. Today in 1821, Napoleon Bonaparte, he died in exile. He was 51 years old. Today in 1925, school teacher John T. Scopes was charged in Tennessee with violating a state law that prohibited teaching the theory of evolution. He was found guilty, but his conviction was later set aside. Today, in 1942, wartime sugar rationing began in the United States. Today, in 1945, in the only fatal attack of its kind during World War II, a Japanese balloon bomb exploded on Gearhart Mountain in Oregon, killing the pregnant wife of a minister and their five children. Today, in 2014, a narrowly divided Supreme Court upheld Christian prayers at the start of local council meetings. Today in 2020, Facebook said it had removed several accounts and pages linked to QAnon, taking action for the first time against the far-right conspiracy theory circulated among some Trump supporters. One year ago today, a government report said the U.S. birth rate had fallen by 4% in 2021, the largest single-year decrease in nearly 50 years. Our subject today is not that, but if you study history, you will find that a, a nation that is not reproducing itself is in decline in many ways, according to history. So that's not a good stat that we heard. Today is National Day of Prayer. Prayer has always been a vital part of our America's heritage. Before the founding of the United States, Continental Congress asked the colonies to pray for wisdom in forming this nation. The call to prayer has continued throughout America's history. President Lincoln's proclamation of a day of humiliating, humiliation, fasting, and prayer in 1863, when the founders were writing the Constitution, they got so cantankerous toward one another they couldn't get along, and some of them just left. It was, it was not good. It was Benjamin Franklin, not the most spiritual of the group for sure, who suggested maybe we should pray. They finally decided to pray each day, not just once, but every day. And every day they would begin their session with prayer. And soon they were back together again in that room in Philadelphia writing and praying. And out of that prayer and thought, our Constitution was born. Probably the greatest document, the greatest Constitution ever written by man 
in the history of the world. The National Day of Prayer was created in 1952 by a joint resolution of Congress signed into law by Harry Truman in, 19, in 1952. In 1988, the law was unanimously amended by both the House and the Senate signed into law by President Ronald Reagan on Thursday, May 5, 1988. It designated the first Thursday of May as a day of national prayer. It says, and I quote, Whereas the Congress, by a joint resolution approved on April 17, 1952, has provided that the President shall set aside and proclaim a suitable day each year, other than a Sunday, as a national day of prayer, on which the people of the United States may turn to God in prayer and meditation. And whereas I deem it fitting that this day of prayer coincide with the anniversary of the adoption of the Declaration of Independence, which published to the world this nation's firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. This year's theme is for the National Day of Prayer is Exalt the Lord who has established us. That's based roughly on Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. You may know that. Prayer for our nation today is important. I would encourage you to pray for our nation personally, our families, our churches, Certainly the government, the U.S. military, the media, the entertainment industry, our education complex that is miserably failing. Pray for businesses. Pray that God will bless godly businessmen and women. Every day here on this radio program, what we publish on our website and what we say here on the air, we try to advance faith and freedom and family by informing and encouraging our listeners. You know that. Our readers, they look at what we write, decide. Some of them violently oppose it. But we look at the world and our community through an informed biblical worldview, and that's what we encourage others to do. I don't see things perfectly, and I don't claim to. But I will tell you that every day we get up with a desire in our heart to tell you what's going on in the world and put it in a biblical perspective and do so to the best of our ability with God's help. And I just want to take this moment today on the National Day of Prayer as we are praying for various things and people. Thank you for your prayer. I often thank you for your financial support, and we need it. But I also want to thank you for your prayers. So many of you say, hey, we're praying for you. In fact, many of you say that. Even write it on your check sometimes when you send in a contribution. I want to thank you for that. Thank you for standing with me and the people that work with me to do what we do. We have a growing audience. It's expanding. You're now able to hear our programs on KTW in Spokane on Saturdays. You can hear it from 12 to 12, 2.30, one program right after the other. And there's a link on our on our website, faithandfreedom.us. You can look there. It says uh, Straight Talk. Hear it again Saturdays. So every Saturday they replay the programs back to back. We're reaching more and more people. Now we're able to put a podcast on our website for each day of our program. You can see that there as well. There's a place you can click and go to straight talk on this podcast 
We're trying to reach as many people as possible, and our audience is growing. And we are looking daily, with God's help and your support, to try to make a difference in somebody's life and their thinking. People have accepted Christ as a result of listening to this program. People have changed their mind. And a few get pretty angry. But thank you for standing with me. Thank you for your prayers. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. President Joe Biden delivered a sharp political speech from the White House yesterday warning of the extreme agenda from MAGA Republicans. That caught my attention. I wanted to talk a little bit about it today. This MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political organization that has existed in American history. No, I'm not saying that. That's what the president said. That's a quote. He was referring to the Make America Great Again movement. It was sparked by former President Trump. And it continues, as you know. Politics triggered our president, Biden's, awakening. He had this sudden awakening that this is the most extreme movement that in the history of our country. While politics triggered his awakening, the so-called MAGA movement is about something much more than politics, and I don't think he understands that. In fact, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. In fact, it's much more than just loving or hating Donald Trump. I don't think he understands that either. Perhaps he does, but it doesn't appear that he does. And many on the left don't. They're blinded by their own outrage. The president then clarified, President Biden, he backed up a little bit. It occurred to him that maybe maybe the MAGA crowd is not the most extreme political group in American history. And he said, well, in recent American history. If you go back a little further in history, you find the KKK deeply rooted in the Democratic Party, and there's a whole lot of things there that could be considered pretty radical. Maybe that occurred to him in the course of his comments. I don't know. But nonetheless, he walked that back a little bit before he finished his his talk. But he repeatedly pronounced MAGA, M-A-G-A, as MAGA, like many. (laughs) But he corrected himself. While he was giving his speech, he said, mega Republicans, the MAGA Republicans, excuse me, I don't want to mispronounce it, the MAGA Republicans. He was suggesting that not all Republicans are MAGA Republicans. I get that. He answered a question from reporters about the possibility of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. His answer was interesting, and that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. He said, this is about a lot more than abortion. Indeed, it is. And it's it's also about a lot more than Donald Trump. I don't think he gets that part. It's about deeply held biblical beliefs and the search for what, which elected officials will stand for those biblical beliefs, not try to cancel them. Essentially, I see the people of God. I know in my own personal experience, just me living out the life that God has given me. I Yes, I, I do vote Republican, but I don't start with that. I usually end with that. 
I start out as just a citizen out here, going to check my box and, and hope somebody actually counts it. I think they do most of the time, at least some of the time. But I check my box, but I start out with who's going to stand for what I believe in personally and my wife and I and our family and so on. And what? who can I vote for that will stand for the founding principles of this nation? Not that the founding principles themselves are sanctified, but the founding principles of this nation were based on God's word, on the Bible. You can only deny that in ignorance. Any, even a cursory look at history shows you the dynamic of the, of the conversations. I mentioned the, the prayer, Benjamin Franklin of all people. He would be the last person you would expect to suggest that we get on our knees and pray. And they got on their knees and prayed because they couldn't come to any kind of agreement on this constitution that they were writing until they begin to pray. The, this is our history. This is our heritage in America. We are unlike every nation that has ever existed on the planet. That's what makes America an exceptional nation. And I know what I'm saying now is nearly forbidden by the left. But we are an exceptional nation. Not because we are so perfect, but because the founding principles are God's principles. And God has blessed that. So I start out when I want to vote, I start out who's going to, who can get things done. I mean, who has the capabilities? Apparently, Democrats don't start with that premise, it appears. But nonetheless, I start with that and then I look at the people and so on. But I look at what do they stand for? Do they believe that there are male and female people walking around in our communities? Or are we all kind of in between? If they think that, I'm not in. I'm out. I don't vote for them. I don't care what party they're in. I don't care if they're Republican or Independent or Democrat or whatever. I think many of us have that same sense when we look at how we vote and so on. Either the left and our own president doesn't get that or they simply are in denial. I don't know. But it's about deeply held biblical beliefs and the search for leaders who will honor those beliefs. President Biden then began ticking off why conservative citizens who voted for Trump are the worst among us. That doesn't unify a, a nation, and he talks about, he used to talk about unity. He doesn't talk about it that much anymore. But his first warning was that Republicans might pass a law, these are his words, preventing LGBTQ children from attending public school with other children. Even Jonathan Turley came out this morning. He's a law professor. I mentioned him yesterday. I quoted him, but he came out again this morning and he said, what is this? And I don't think he's, I know he's not a Republican. I've heard him say that. So I presume he's not even really a conservative. Maybe he is. He's well known. He's smart. But he came out saying, what is this? He said, what about all of this leads the president to make a statement that Republicans are going to prevent LGBTQ children from attending public school with other children or even suggest such a thing. The answer to that is, I don't know. I don't know why he would say that, except just trying to rile up the other side, I guess. I don't know. He also suggested that the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade could mean the government can regulate couples from using birth control. 
There's nothing in Roe v. Wade about that. Only those living in a state of delusion would even make that kind of an accusation, much less believe it. I don't know if he believes it or not, but I know he said it. The view of conservatives and biblical Christians by the radical left, including that of our president, is stunning. Let me tell you about this ultra-mega agenda. It's extreme, Biden said. Well, let's talk about some extreme beliefs. President Biden on Tuesday raised eyebrows on social media after denying one of the far left's fundamental claims about abortion. He is their leader socially on those issues. The left came out immediately after his comments and they said, oh, that was a messaging blunder. And I I heard that word, I was going to say a thousand times, I didn't hear it that many, many, many times, it seemed like a thousand times over the last 24 hours. And I consume a lot of news, uh, more sometimes than I normally would, I can tell you. But um, they kept saying, oh, that was a messaging blunder. A messaging blunder? Is that all his words are? Just a message, a message? Are there no deeply felt, honored beliefs? I mean, maybe there are, but I, I don't see them. And when he says something that violates everything they claim to believe, and then they say, oh, that was a messaging blunder. Apostle Paul called it vain imaginations and a darkened heart in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. In discussing the possibility of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, the president did not refer to what's at stake regarding women's health and all this kind of thing that they usually say, nor any of the usual talking points of the left. He didn't refer to fetus or pregnancy or any of that. He said, and he was clear, that it's a child that's killed in the procedure. I could hardly believe he said that because it's true. He said, the idea, I'm quoting the president, the idea that we're going to make a judgment that's going to say that no man can make the judgment to choose to abort a child based on a decision by the Supreme Court, I think that goes way overboard. If this decision holds, it's really quite a radical decision. A child? A judgment to choose to abort a child? I thought they were a fetal mass. Our children have been taught in from K through Graduate school. It's a fetal mass. It's not a baby. When did that fetal mass in the womb become a child? These people can't help themselves. Sometimes the truth just slips out of their mouth, past their lips. Not often, but occasionally. It's a child of conception. Down deep, most of us know that. We've seen the pictures now, in more recent years, of the unborn child reacting to pain sucking their thumb in their mother's womb. It's a person. It's a child. He's right. We're not talking about removing a fetal mass like some kind of a tumor from a mother's womb. We're talking about a human being whom God knows from its inception. How does America really feel about Roe v. Wade being overturned? If you want to find some polls and surveys that will affirm your belief in abortion, you can find them. They're out there. But Rasmussen reports, Rasmussen reports, I often quote them on this program because they are, their questions they ask are more honest and more straightforward questions than a lot of the polling companies. 
But they did a survey, and their survey presented respondents with the following. Here's what they said to their, and this was this week. They said, according to a leaked draft of a majority opinion, the U.S. Supreme Court is prepared to overturn the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion in the United States. Would you approve or disapprove of a Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade? That's pretty straightforward. Even I can understand that. Would you approve or disapprove of a Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade? As I said, there are other surveys out there, and they're weighing in, and they're getting a lot of press because they're showing that America is pro-abortion. And they're showing it, in some cases, wildly pro-abortion. But it's interesting that Rasmussen, with that question that I just read to you, very straightforward, would you approve or disapprove? Yes or no? You don't need five paragraphs of dialogue. Here's an overview of what Rasmussen reports found. A survey was taken on Tuesday, day before yesterday, after the Supreme Court opinion was leaked. So everybody knew most everything that's known out there now as far as generally. Here's what they found. 66% of GOP voters, 31% of Democrats, 46% of unaffiliated voters agree with Alito's draft opinion that Roe v. Wade was egregiously wrong from the start. 62% of the Democrats, 29% of Republicans, and 46% of unaffiliated voters disagree with Alito's opinion. 85% of Democrats, 38% of Republicans, and 55% of unaffiliated voters agree with Biden's statement that a woman's right to choose is foundational and fundamental. 52% of men, 45% of women would approve of a Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. Justice Alito wrote this on behalf of the majority. The Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, including the one on which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely. The Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment is what he says it is, and it is. That provision has been held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution. But any such right must be deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. The opinion concludes, as we now know, that the Constitution, as originally understood, did not include a right to abortion. Most people in America, from the numbers I just read you, a plurality of people agree with Alito and his statement about the Constitution and the others who agree with him on the, on the Supreme Court. So does President Biden really believe that Republicans and conservatives and biblical Christians want to pass a law preventing LGBTQ children from attending public school with other children? He knows better than that. I recently wrote about this disinformation governance board. I talked about it on this program. They just set that up almost almost in reaction, it looks like, to Elon Musk buying Twitter, which he... I don't know much about his deepest held beliefs, but I do know that he talks about free speech all the time and he thinks it's a wonderful thing and he spent billions and billions and billions of dollars to buy Twitter 
And he said it's, he did it because he believes in free speech. So that sounds good to me. But since learning of its existence, we've also learned about this disinformation governance board whom the president has chosen to lead the thing, the truth minister, if you please, of this govern, governance board. We've never needed a governance board to monitor speech in America before. This Nina Jankowitz, and I mentioned her before on this program, she is a piece of work. I mean, she's a loony. She's way out there. She's Biden's choice to lead this dis- disinformation crew and has a history of being rapidly pro-LGBTQ activist, recently declaring, these are her words, men can give birth. As a fact, she said that. Hitler's Nazis established a ministry of propaganda and enlightenment. They did so to shape the public opinion and suppress criticism of their own regime. Why are we doing this then? Are we too standing at that threshold today? How long before this administration declares that to claim only women can have can birth children is untrue and prohibited speech? If I'd have said that 12 months ago, I would have said, "Well, uh, I mean, we're not we're not there yet." But we are. Very recently, Jackowitz said there are many non-binary people who give birth. I sense there is a great silencing coming. It concerns me, but it doesn't make me to be fearful. God is with us. But I think we're standing on some very, very unordinary ground today in America. With with all of this that's happening, is it even possible that a ban on some kinds of biblical teaching that contradicts the far-left activist administration's narrative, could that be coming soon? I think it could be if we continue on this path. Many Christians today are either being silenced from the fear of speaking biblical truth regarding the issues of our day or simply retreating to silence. Have you talked to anyone lately or have you heard anyone saying, you know, I, boy, I'd like to speak out on that, but I don't want to say anything. I don't know what will happen to me. That's what they were saying in these countries that were ruled by these dictators from Germany and and Russia, and and so on. I mean, world history is very clear on that. People were afraid to talk. In fact, some history shows that in Russia, they would hang rugs, like carpet rugs, on the walls to deaden the silence so their neighbor couldn't hear what they were talking about in their own family and report it to the government. Christians today are already being silenced for fear of speaking biblical truth regarding the issues of our day. I realize the risk of what I'm doing here. I'm very well aware of it, but it must be said. Most have simply become silent, retreated to a safe safe space, agreeing with those who take a stand but being afraid of speaking out for fear of repercussions, sometimes from friends, sometimes even from families. But we have a duty in Christ to be strong, Ephesians 6.10, and a duty to stand for righteousness and to spread the gospel, Mark 16.15. I know it can be difficult, but God is with us. Deuteronomy 21, verse 1. He is greater than all of these things. Deuteronomy 10, 17. Dietrich Bonhoeffer stood against Hitler. It cost him, but he said, Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. 
That's where we are today. God told Joshua to be fearless, be strong and of good courage. He would tell us that as well. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.